to speak to you a little bit about when you just don't know why. And uh, I'm glad I have a Bible. And I'm glad I have a God of the Bible. He knows more than I know. And, but in this lifetime, there are some situations that I just do not know why things are happening. As a pastor, I've oftentimes had people ask me, Pastor, why? I remember talking to a lady who has been estranged from her son. She's only seen her adult son one time in 21 years. And it's not by her choice. It's by his. She has gone to the place that he lives. She has taken an airplane. She has gone there. She has knocked on the door of her own son. And uh, he'll come to the door and said, Mom, I don't really have anything to say to you. Sorry. Close the door and leave his mom standing. And she asked, Pastor, why? Why do I have such rejection? I love that boy. And boy, I know this lady. She's an unbelievable lady. I think about the opportunities that, that he could have if he were just with close with her. And quite frankly, I don't understand why. And she says, Pastor, why? What is it that I've done that could have created such animosity or such a block in our relationship? I remember talking to many barren couples, couples who would love to have children. That's what married couples who enjoy the love of each other, normally the byproduct is children. But uh, they've not been able to have children. And they watch oftentimes teenage girls who are not equipped to raise a child, don't, don't have the money, don't have the love, nor, to, nor the, the expertise to raise a child. And it seems like they have such an easy time getting pregnant. And yet we, after infertilities, clinics, and things of that nature still, can't have a baby. Pastor, why? I remember going into a delivery room. And normally, I've been there many times after a baby's born and a mother's holding a baby and it's a beautiful baby and they're so happy and dad's happy and they're taking pictures. This time, I walked in there and there was a baby the mother was holding, but it had passed away. It was stillborn. And it had all the little fingers and all the, the eyes and the, and the little mouth and the lips and toes and everything that a baby would have, but no life. And yet the mother had carried it nine months. And she's holding in her arms. And she looks up through tears and says, Pastor, why? What's the purpose? What's the reason about this? Talked to some businessmen who they said, Pastor, I've been tithing. I've been giving aggressively. And it seems like my business is just tanking. Pastor, what do you think God's trying to do? Why? I don't know why. This week, Brother Eddie told you about uh, Miss Wilma Robinson going home to be with the Lord. And we went there, and I sat in the living room with Brother Harvey, and he's sitting there. And just four months ago, he laid to rest his lovely wife, Diane, and he's just sitting in the car with her and looked over, and she said, I, I think I'm going to pass out. I think I'm going to pass out. And she just passed out in the passenger seat. He pulled over, tried to revive her, and she not only passed out, but she went into the presence of the Lord. And then now he went down to breakfast and sees that his mother 
has been in the presence of the Lord. And he's a great man and loves the Lord, has a great spirit. But no doubt he comes to his mind, Lord, why? The two dear ladies that I love the most in the world. And he's got beautiful daughters and daughters-in-law, but the two that knew him the longest and loved him the most, he's now separated with them. And I'm sure he may say, Lord, why? And why now? I thought about this, thinking about how that some wicked men in our society are aging into their 70s and 80s and 90s. And they're aging, but they're just foul. They have brought great devastation to our world and our society through pornography, through alcohol, through gambling, all kinds of things. And yet they seem to live such lavish, wonderful lives independent of God. Then I see someone who is 17. I remember laying in bed with my wife many nights, and she said, John, I know I'm not supposed to ask why, but why does some honorary people live so long, and our son, who is such a sweet boy, he's in the presence of the Lord at 17, and someone else is wicked and lives to be 71. Why? These are questions that are really realistic and understandable. And I want to talk to you about just some perspectives that we can have from the life of Job whenever we have more questions than answers. You've got questions. I've got questions. Job had questions. If you know the story of Job, it's in a unique story of God's Word. God has given us one book with 66 books inside of it. The real theme of the Bible is, is how to get to heaven from here. The first reason God gave us the Bible is to tell us how to be saved how to be reconciled to God. The second reason for the Bible is to teach us how to live after we know number one. I want to encourage you to read your Bible, love your Bible. One of those books in the Old Testament was, uh, was written by about a man named Job. We assume Job wrote it. Some folks think other people. Most people believe it's the oldest book of our Bible. If your Bible were laid out chronologically from first to last, Job would be the first book. They believe he lived maybe as much as 1,800 to 2,000 years before Jesus. But he was a special man. He was not a bad man. Matter of fact, you can look in your Bible real quickly to Job chapter 1, and you can see some attributes about him. The Bible tells us there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And the man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. So the fella... Job is somebody who loved God, he recognized God, he hated things that were wrong, and he had integrity. He had ten kids, seven sons, three daughters, and he was extremely wealthy. God tells his wealth primarily in cattle, in camels, and donkeys, and oxen, and uh, sheep. He was extremely wealthy. And he was probably the greatest man in his time financially. He had it all going on emotionally. He had it going on domestically. He had it going on economically. He was a very, very blessed man. But then the Bible gives us a backstory that Job knows nothing about. One day when the angels of God came to meet with God, Satan came with them. Satan is someone who's an accuser. He's constantly looking about. The Bible tells him in 1 Peter chapter 5 
be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Satan is always walking, and, and the Lord asked Satan, what are you doing? He said, I am walking to and fro throughout the earth. I'm just going around looking around. And he said, you know what? In your walking, have you considered my servant Job? Now, that didn't come from Satan. That came from God. But Satan says something like this. His motives are not pure. He only serves you because you're good to him. And Satan proposes, if, if you would let me take away his stuff, he would not bless you. He would curse you and spit in your face and curse you face to face. That was Satan's response. The Lord allows Satan to touch his stuff. He touches his, his uh, sheep. They're all burnt with fire, including the shepherds. Fire comes and destroys them instantly. Sabians come and take his camels and his oxen. Others come to take his possession or his camels, and, and they, the Chaldeans come. In just a few moments, he goes from riches to rags. Probably even to intensify that, his kids, all ten of them, have, are together at one place celebrating. And during that time, a, a tornado comes or a great wind and folds the house on them, and everyone dies. I've had a funeral with one of our children, and uh, it was horrible. It was challenging. I couldn't imagine having a funeral with all nine of our children. But that's what Job and Mrs. Job had. It was a very difficult time. Then Satan comes back to the Lord, and in all this, the Bible tells us in, first, in Job chapter 1 that Job did not sin. He was hurt. He was pain probably deeper than any of us can even imagine. I don't know of anyone who had a worse day in life than Job did. I've had my days, and I think they're bad. They're difficult. And then we think we have worse times than somebody else. The truth of the matter is probably neither one of those is difficult, but nobody's had a day quite like Job, in my opinion. It was a terrible day, and, and he didn't sin, though. He used wisdom and didn't charge God like an idiot. The Bible says he did not charge God foolishly. But Satan wasn't done, and God wasn't done, allowing Satan to create more challenges. Because Satan doesn't believe anybody will serve God just because of God. He thinks you only serve God. He can't get in his head that someone would serve God in good times and bad times. He didn't trust Job, but God did. God was a man that, that he had confidence in one of his servants. He had been good to him. But then Satan said, listen, pound for pound, flesh for flesh, a guy will only serve God if, you can, if, if I touch his body, he's going to curse you. And the Lord allowed Satan to touch and to afflict Job's body. With boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, he began to get terribly ill. Not just sick and not just something that could be treated easily, but something that created intense chronic pain. I think about sweet friends of ours. You know Brother Randy Rogers and Miss Tina. 
20 plus years chronic pain, the like of which I don't know of anybody, uh, very few people I would say listening would understand that. People that have uh, rheumatoid arthritis where their hands begin to crumble and begin to, to gnarl. I was sitting one time with Brother Andrew Steers, and he's our missionary to Australia. And he's got the cerebral palsy in at least one of his arms, and it just kind of does what it wants to do sometimes. But it started to go backwards, and we're sitting in a studio, and it just wouldn't work. It just started going on its own, and he was trying hard to get his hand up, and it would just go back, and it would, it would just writhe him in pain. I couldn't even imagine that. Think about Brother John Bishop, good friend of ours. He's spoken here, I'm sure, before. And uh, lost all of his memory and has these terrible cluster headaches. Some of the folks listening today, you have challenges with migraines and with rheumatoid back pain and all kinds of challenges. I saw someone this morning that I know they deal with unbelievable pain and it robs them of sleep and robs them to be able to even to think normally because of the intense pain. And many of them have to medicate just to operate. And just a function. Well, Job had this issue. He was miserable. He, he went out and shaved his head. As the boils began to complicate things, he took pot's herd and he sat out and put ashes on his head and just to scrape and just give some relief. His wife, brokenhearted, comes to him in the second chapter and says, Honey, just curse God and let's get it over with. Let's die. Death is better than this. And of course, she's already grieving emotionally, burying 10 of her children, all of her posterity, all of her grandkids, potentially, all of them are gone. And she has a, a husband who no longer has wealth. He no longer has health. And I'm sure she had many questions why. You know the story. Forgive me for belaboring long, but it's not a good day. It's challenging. After a few days, his friends come. Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, they come. And the Bible records their conversation from chapter 3 to chapter 31 of Job. And these three friends come, and for a while, they're sympathetic friends. They come, they sit with him, and they just in quiet and probably pray for him and say, I'm sorry, Job. Oh, I can't even imagine what you're going through. But unfortunately, after time goes on, they speak out of off their rug. They start saying, I know I, you must have done something really bad. They become at him and begin to criticize his motives and his heart motives and his challenges and say, hey, listen, tell us a secret. What have you done so wrong? What have you done to offend God? Why are you going through this? There's something you're not telling us. And they go through a period of, of uh, a rounds. There's two rounds of all of them speaking to him. Chapter 32, a young man, Elihu, comes, and he has his opinion, and he somewhat criticizes the other guys and their, their uh, reason for this happening and says, probably your pride, Jode. That's not easy to hear that, but especially from a younger guy who just kind of comes along, listens to the conversation, then pipes in. Well, there was some element of pride, and there was some truth to that. But at the end of the story, Job finally 
And uh, there are some chinks in his armor. There are some things. He never cursed God, but he cursed the day that he died. He, d he did some things wrong. He, in his difficult times and his, and his crisis of the moment, said some things he shouldn't have said. He cursed the day he died. He, he thought basically a lot of times about all the, like, my days are difficult. My breath is corrupt. I'm miserable. It would be better for me had I not lived. And probably some things you and I have thought a few times. Those came to his heart and mind. But in chapter 38, God approaches him. And he said, you know what? You think you got all the answers, but you don't even know all the questions. You're speaking off your rug. You don't have information. And he begins to ask Job a lot of questions. He said, where were you when I created the world? Where were you when I laid out the planet? Where were you when the songs, when the stars sang their morning song on the first day of creation? Where were you? How do you know how to connect the dots? And how do you know all that I've put on the planet? And where were you? And he begins to show himself in his creation and his omniscience and his omnipotence to Job over the next several chapters. And at the conclusion, he confronts Job. And Job humbles himself. He says, I abhor myself. I repent in sackcloth and ashes. I, I am wrong and you're right. And God begins to approach his friends who spoke wrong in him. And he says, listen, you guys... You need to go out and sacrifice right now. And he gave him how many bullocks to sacrifice and how many other animals to sacrifice. And then you need to run over to Job and ask him to pray for you, that God will spare you for your criticism and for your analogies on something you didn't know anything about. And then Job prayed for his friends, and God released the captivity of Job. He freed him. He took away the sores and and he had a gathering with his, his friends, and his friends all brought him money and encouragement, and they ate bread with him, and they comforted him, and they gave to him. And the end of the story, if you read in Job chapter 42, you'll find that God gave Job twice as much as he had in the early chapters of Job chapter 1, when you read what he had, twice as many camels, twice as many donkeys, twice as many sheep. And then he gave him 10 more children. Say, Pastor, why didn't he give him 20 more kids? Because he had 10 and 20. Well, he was merciful to Mrs. Job. That's why. I'm just joking. No, I think that probably the reason why, is, and the reason why is because people are eternal. Uh, he still has 10 children. I still have nine children, even though I have eight of them on the planet. I still have other children that are mine and uh, came from us forever. God's been good to us, and let us do that. People are eternal, animals are not in that way. Well, with that in mind, I want to give you a couple things when questions are more than answers. When you don't know why, what can we learn? Real quickly, let me give you these thoughts, and we'll dismiss this morning. Thank you for listening. I want it to be a help and a blessing to you. And whenever you have some questions, let me just say, number one, resist insisting that you know why in this time. Listen, you don't have to know why. Our God is in the heavens. He has done whatsoever he will. Psalm, Psalm 115 verse 3 reminds us of that concept. And there are some things in this lifetime that you might find out why later. 
Someone said that 2020, hindsight is 2020. You can see things better as time goes on. And you can see some of the wise. I'll never know all the wise, and you won't either. So I would suggest when you don't know the answers, don't resist the urge to insist that you understand today. You may not understand in this lifetime. Someone wrote the song, we'll understand it better by and by. There's just some things, friend, you'll go to the funny farm trying to figure out why things are happening, and you'll waste time and waste energy, especially if you're a child of God. Listen, if you're a child of God, you need to cuddle up to the Lord and just trust your heavenly Father. Call him Abba Father. Thank him that he knows. And just like a child doesn't understand everything, his mom and dad understands. They may have opinions that you don't understand. And by the way, children, parenthetically, listen to me. Learn to obey and submit to your mom and dad. Do what they think is best for you as long as it's biblical and right. Hey, do what God wants them to do. Don't be stubborn. Stubbornness is idolatry, and that's wrong. Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Submit to your mom and your dad. Be pliable. Be meek. Be willing to be governed by their wishes as long as they're right and holy. And obviously, we children obey your, your mom and dad in the Lord. But may I say to you, for big children and for all children of God, trust the Lord. Resist the urge to insist you have to know what's going on because you don't have to know. That's the first thought. You mean there was no book of Job when Job was going through Job. There was that he did not know what was going on. Now we know, we know that Satan attacked him. Job had no idea. We know that uh, that he was going to be rewarded twice the amount. Job did not know that. He did not know. There was no explanation to Job by going through the difficult times. I want you to know the second thing. Resist the urge to insist that you have to know. Listen, if you have to know. You can ask why, but you better be able to handle the silence because sometimes we just don't know why in this lifetime. I would say, number one, resist the, the urge to insist. Number two, realize the faulty faith in these factors. Realize the emptiness and the answers are not going to be in the things that you may be looking for. Here we find that God allowed Satan, and Satan came at, uh, at Job in these ways. Number one, in his fortune. Listen, friend, we live in a world where we have more stuff. We throw away more food than many, much of the world will enjoy today. We have a plush life in comparison. I don't care who's listening to me today. You got it better, first of all, better than we deserve. And then we have more than we could ever dream. May I say to you, you're not going to find the answers in your fortune, in stuff, in things. The Bible tells us a man's life does not consist of the things which he possesses. Possessions are not where it's at. And many of us, he says, listen, labor not to be rich. Cease from your own wisdom. Be careful about how much you put in the economy. Be careful how much you put in possessions. Be careful. You know, we oftentimes think about our stuff, our money, our situation, our mortgage, our property, our things, and be careful about that. You know, God allowed Satan, and Satan came first at his possessions. 
May I say to you, sometimes your possessions will, the Bible says money answereth all things, but it doesn't answer everything. And it sure doesn't answer the question of why sometimes. Number two, our family. Do you know the Bible teaches us that children are in heritage of the Lord? You know the Bible says a marriage, a wife, whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, obtaineth favor of the Lord. Our family members, oftentimes people want, want to say, well, all that matters to me is my family. Well, let me tell you, that ought to matter to you, but that shouldn't be all that matters to you. You be careful, because all the answers are not in your family. All the answers are not in your fortune. All the answers are not in your fortitude or your strength. I'm amazed, and I think it's good to exercise. I think it's good to watch your diet. I think it's very good, and I think there's some lessons I can learn personally and others can learn in that way. Let me tell you something, friend. You live in a decaying body. And you can eat right and you can exercise right, and we ought to. I think obesity is something we need to deal with. I think taking care of that body that God gave you, if it belongs to God, we ought to do a better job at taking care of it. I think it's important. I think you do too, if you're honest with God and with yourself. At the same time, I say to you, you're going to die. You're going to die by trauma. You're going to die by disease. You're going to die uh, by, by some sort of, of uh, old age. Some way you're going to leave that body you're in. And all the answers are not in our health. Sometimes we'll say, well, as long as you're healthy, as long as you're healthy, that's where it is. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Let me tell you something. One day you're not going to have your health. Your, your, your answers are not going to be in your fortitude and your strength. Well, I can do this. I can do this. I can work all night. I can do this. I can drive. I can, I can make money. I, that's God's giving me a gift. Well, let me tell you something, Spanky. One day that's going to go away. One day you will not have that bragging right. And answers are not in your fortune. Answers are not in your family. Answers are not going to always be found in your fortitude and your strength. Answers are not going to be found in your friends. It's interesting to me that uh, Facebook, <laughs> Facebook, it's all about friends. Are you friending me or are you defriending me, unfriending me? You liking or you not liking? And oftentimes we try to find people. And one of the things that the creators of those social medias have done is, is to create lots of friends out there. Now, quite frankly, they're probably fair weather friends. We feel good. We get the fuzzy wuzzies because we are uh, we have all those friends. And Job probably thought that Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar were the best of friends, but he found out that the answers to his questions did not come because of their advice or their perspective. And I find that many times in difficult times, people try to find answers in their fortune and their possessions, in their family in their finances, in their fortitude or their physical strength or in their friends. Job shows us that you can't trust. Those are faulty sources of faith. There is, there is a, I thank God for friends, but friends can't do it for you. I thank God for finances, but finances can't do it for you. I thank God for possessions. Everything, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from God. But it's not going to be your answer to all your questions. So, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say, number one, resist the urge to insist that you know everything now. You don't, and you can't. 
Number two, don't put your faith in faulty objects. And of course, that would lead us to, a, to our, our real crux of the matter. Remember to put your faith and expectation in the Lord. Brother Colson, Red Forest, chapter 13. Let's turn there, can you please? Job 13. The Bible tells us in verse number 15, I want you to find it. Would you find it in your Bible? Let's don't be lazy. If you're on your couch or you're at your kitchen table, turn there real quickly. I want you to see it. If you have a pen, I would suggest you at least circle the verse or put a little star or asterisk there. It's a great verse in this, in this book of the Bible. Chapter 13. In verse number 15, let's read it together. Can we please, everyone? Here we go. You ready? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. Well, there's a lot of information before that verse and after that verse. I will not do justice in this message today. But I want to encourage you to put your faith in God. Trust him. In the difficult times of your life, trust him. Trust him. And don't build your own fire. Don't try to figure your own way out. Stay upon the Lord. Can you please take your Bibles now, that same Bible you just looked at, and just turn to Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah is after Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, before Jeremiah chapter 50. And this is another verse I would encourage you, especially during this time of um, our opportunities to be able to communicate in this way. I hope you have your Bible out every time, making notes and writing down some thoughts. Isaiah chapter 50. And don't get any wise ideas. You're not bringing your coffee into the auditorium when you come, all right? Some of you clowns out there are telling me how much it's wonderful having church with coffee. Verse number 10, Isaiah 50, verse 10. Here's what the Bible says. Are you ready? Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant? That's good things. Fearing the Lord, obeying God as his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Dear friend, you know you can walk with God. You can fear God. You can tithe and give an offering. You can soul, serve the Lord, be a soul winner, and still walk in difficult situations can walk in darkness. You can have seasons of your life where you have more answers, more questions than answers. You just don't understand it. There's just a lot of whys going on. I don't think it's wrong to have situations where you just like, Lord, what is going on? Why is this happening? I do think it's important for you and I to understand that we can be doing right things and still go through a trial that's unexplainable you can walk in darkness, and you cannot have the light that you need. Here's what God says. Stay upon the Lord. Lean upon the Lord. During your difficult times, may I encourage you, don't trust the economy. Don't trust government. Don't trust your best friends or how much you have in savings or how much you have in the 401K that just went away last month. Uh, don't put your trust and, and your confidence and in, in your, in, in, in your strength and your fortitude and your physical health. No, stay upon the Lord. And I want you to look at verse 11. We're in Psalm, or excuse me, Isaiah 50, verse number 11. We said, if there's someone who fears the Lord, he's a servant of God. He walks with the Lord, but yet he's in darkness. He doesn't have light. Isaiah says, stay upon the Lord. Lean upon the Lord. Look at verse number 11, would you? Here's, the, here's the, our tendency. Here's what we may go through. Here's our alternative. 
you don't want to stay upon God, here's what you can do. Verse 11, Behold all ye that kindle a fire, that compass yourself with sparks, that walk in the light of your fire, and the sparks that ye have kindled, this shall ye have at my hand, ye shall lie down in sorrow. Here's what you can do, friend. In difficult times, when you have more questions than answers, when disappointments, unfulfilled expectations are what you live with, when you thought by now you'd be married, when you thought by now you'd be parents, when you thought by now you wouldn't have this pain, it, you have, would have been healed, you've spent thousands of dollars getting better, and now you seem like you're even worse. When you just don't understand and you've, you're trying as hard as you ever tried, you're working hard, you're making good decisions, you're still doing what God wants you to do, and the business is still tanking, it's struggling. What you can do, you can do one of two things. You can lean upon the Lord or you can spark your own fire. You can set your own fire so you can see a little bit better and you can walk in the sparks of your own fire without God and lay down in sorrow. Well, listen, friend, I don't know you well, but I love you. Those of you I know well, I even love you more. But I want to encourage you, don't walk in the light of your own fire. Let the God who loves you, who cares for you, light your way. And if you're in the dark and you don't have light, and you're doing the right thing, and you got more questions than answers, hey, listen, stay upon the Lord. Stay upon Him, lean upon Him, trust Him. He loves you. He cares about you. Trust his purposes. I don't know what's going on. God doesn't waste suffering. He'll use it. That difficulty that you're going through, trust him with it. Embrace it and embrace his purposes in these situations. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Dear friend, I want to close with this. I want you to rest in God's sovereignty and rest in God's sufficiency. When you have more questions than answers, and you're not sure exactly what to do in your future, in your present state, and you are walking in the dark, you don't have a lot of direction. Could I encourage you? Don't spend a lot of time in the wise and insisting you know. We'll say don't lean heavily upon the financial matters and upon family and friends and your own fortitude and your own physical strength. Oh, the he that trusts in his own heart is a fool. Be careful about that. But run to God and stay upon the Lord and have faith in two things. Number one, our God is in the heavens. He knows what's going on. I can trust him. I want to encourage you, give you a homework assignment. Read Job 38 this week or this afternoon. Read it. And God asked Job all these questions and says, where were you? Where were you? Where were you? You know what he did? One by one, he slapped down Job's self-confidence and showed him how ignorant he was about all that was going on, how really he didn't have the ability. There was no reason for him to have confidence in himself but to turn to the Lord. In closing, let's go to the last chapter of Job. Job 42. Would you turn there, please? Job 42. We'll read this and conclude. Thank you. I know I've preached a little bit longer than is normal. Thank you for following along with me. Once you look at verse number 1 in chapter 42, and Job answered the Lord and said, 
I know that thou canst do everything. And that no thought, this is after he had been instructed from 38 to 41. Nothing can be withholding from me, that, from thee. You know everything. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered and I understood not. I said things I didn't have full understanding about. Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. I, I gave my opinion about things I didn't even know. They were too high for me, too wonderful for me. Verse 4, here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. Verse 5, here's what I want to show you. I have heard thee by my hearing to the ear, but now mine eyes have seen thee. And you know what he saw there? I think he saw the sufficiency of God. He saw that God had it. He had his back. He loved him. And just a few days, everything's going to be multiplied. God was going to bless him because of his faithfulness in a trial. Well, friend, I want to encourage you. If you're a child of God, trust the Lord in your trials. Believe in him. Don't insist you have to know why. The whys aren't going to matter so much. We just got a little parentheses of life. Only one life so soon will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Don't have to know why. Don't put your faith in uncertain objects that are very vacillating. Put your faith in the God of eternity. And I would say to you at this time, wherever you may be, I hope that you're listening. And I hope you would say, God, I want to trust you. I'm going to trust your sovereignty and I'm going to trust your sufficiency. Dear friend, God not only is essential, you've got to have him, but he's enough. He's all you need. If you're a child of God, would you come to the Lord right now and say, God, you're all I need. You're not just what I need, you're enough. If that's all I have is you, I will trust you. God loves you. As a child of God, he especially loves you. Dear friend, I want to talk to you if you're not a child of God yet. I do not know my listening audience. I'm on this side of the camera. You're on the other side. But I do know this. If you're a human being. God loves you. And he loves you so much that he gave Jesus to die so you could live forever with God. He didn't make hell for you, for me. For no human being. He made the hell for the devil and his angels. But men and women who live and die without accepting the gift of eternal life, that's where they spend eternity. Oh, God loves you. And everyone who goes to the lake of fire forever goes to there not being saved. They're unsaved. But no one goes there unloved. Dear friend, if you're listening today and you say, Pastor, I don't know. I'm not sure if I died today, I would go to heaven. I want to help you with that. There'll be a number on your screen. You can see it there. You can call right now, and someone will talk to you personally about that. But can I share with you real quickly how you can be saved? Listen, one why you don't have to know, or one why you don't have to know is how to get to heaven from here, how to be reconciled to God. God, let us be reconciled through his son, Jesus Christ. Here's what we need to understand. Number one, we're sinners. Can't save ourselves. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
Doesn't matter how good you are, you and I are not good enough to go to heaven on our own. God's holy and we're not. On our best day, we do things, we say things, we think things that are wrong against God's law. Number two, because of our sin, we deserve to be put away from God forever, cast out of his presence. The Bible says the wages, the payment of being a sinner is to die. Death is not a fun thing to talk about, but it's separation. For the thousands of people who have died with the coronavirus, the sad thing is they're separated from their body and their loved ones. But that's going to happen to me one day. It's going to happen to you. Maybe not through the coronavirus, but somehow we're going to separate from this body that we've lived in. And we separate from our friends. But there's a second death. You never have to be separated from God. God's son died, so you wouldn't have to. He was separated from his father, so you and I wouldn't have to be separated from God. And he offers us the gift of eternal life. Have you accepted God's gift? If you're listening by way of the radio, or you're watching this live stream or on Facebook Live, if you say, Pastor, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell, and Jesus is my only hope. And if God would love me, I want to turn from my sin and come to his son, Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to come to Jesus. Repentance is a change of mind. It's a sorrowing. It's an understanding. that God has pointed out my sin and pointed out his son. Because you only go into eternity with your sin or with God's son. If you're not sure if you died today, do you want to get that settled? Would you pray right now to the Lord? The Bible says if a man believes in his heart and will confess with his mouth, he can be saved. We want you to be saved. God does. You say, Pastor, now's my time. God says now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Would you pray this to the Lord? If your heart is ready, say this to God. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to be separated from you. But I believe that Jesus died for me. And on the cross, he did all that was needed to be done so I could be saved. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. And give me your son. Make me your child. I accept by faith your gift of eternal life. If that's a prayer that you believe you uttered to the Lord from your heart and with your mouth, oh, please let us know about it. Call us right now or connect with us at Connect at FBC Hammond. If you need more explanation, there's a salvation experience there. Our explanation, I think, would be helpful to you. We're honored you came. We're honored that you prayed. 